0: A
1: That's an understatement. That's a bit of an understatement. I mean, I mean, you lost your
0: bag. Your flight was delayed. You missed your flight. You got in
1: and uh, in Washington DC
0: after spending the night in the airport in San Francisco.
1: Yep. Yeah. That was. Uh, that was. And I lost my headphones once when I got back to Canada, and I left them. <laughs> I left them. You know, when you're leaving. Um, when you're leaving the airport, like right where baggage claim is, I left them there, and then I went through like the gates for security. And he can't I couldn't get back in because I already left, like I checked everything with the with the oh. last stop for customs so I, somebody had to go back in and get them, otherwise I would have had no podcast headphones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what a nightmare that's an absolute nightmare of a trip. um the ducks had a better trip than than you did to Canada,
1: yeah, I feel like they did a lot better than you did. well, I mean they did play Edmonton to Vancouver so <laughs> <laughs> Those were – they're not like given in wins, but you would assume they'd be easier games. And the only game that was hard, they got completely thumped by Calgary. So In oh, you know, yeah, more ways you, than if, one. Yeah, if you looked at these three games uh, and you would say the Ducks are going to win two of them, I think 90, 99% of us would say, yeah, they're going to beat Edmonton to Vancouver.
0: Mm-hmm. The whole "you can't win here" and and that uh, Calgary's bad against Anaheim—that's that's over. Gone. <laughs> that's done for a it's long just, time, probably. It's gone least, for a long time. Yeah, at least
1: the next three to five years,
0: that's gonna be done. Calgary is incredibly good this year, but let's let's start with a couple of recaps here. We'll, we'll start with the one of the fun games, probably the most fun
1: game I would say, because of what happened in it uh, against Vancouver. Yeah, this this was the game I was supposed to be back for, and then I missed it. And I kept looking up the updates. I didn't have Wi-Fi for most of the time on the way back. And then you know, I I look in, I see Sam Steele's got a goal, and it was one nothing. I'm like, all right, like you know, it's nice to see the kids doing well. Nice to be, especially Sam Steele, because he's been kind of the forgotten one, since i uh, spending most of the time in San Diego while Jones and Terry have been up with the Ducks. Then I check back again; he's got two. And then, uh, I get, and then I get, then my phone starts going up, uh, blowing up about 20 minutes later, and you know I see again that he had the penalty shot, and he got the hat trick, and. What a great game for him I mean he was he was leading the way it was it's nice to see him finally have this game because it feels like everybody everybody else especially the young guys for the ducks have had this game Maxim come to wide a breakout game or a couple breakout games early on in the season Troy Terry has had a breakout game he had a couple three-point nights um, and Max Jones he hasn't really had that breakout game but he's pretty much looked good every game so it's been a bit a bit of a different run for him and, and then Sam Steele is like eh, he just hasn't Done it yet. He hasn't taken that step forward. And then, you know, eventually he got sent back to San Diego and started playing well as of late, putting pucks in the back of the net. And then the Ducks call him back up and has a couple assists leading up into the hat trick game. And it, it was nice to see him at least get that before the end of the season because I felt like he really needed that. It, you know, he really needed that to validate that he still is one of the Ducks' best prospects because he's kind of fallen behind a lot of guys with how well they've done. Even guys not even in the NHL right now, like Maxim Comtois. If you asked, I think, a lot of Ducks fans right now who's the best prospect the Ducks have, they'd say Maxim Comtois. Last year, or even before the start of the season, it was Sam Steele. I don't think mm-hmm. like there was any question that it was Sam Steele. And then, you know, now Terry's taking a step forward, and Jones and, and, and Comtois have, have moved in front of him. And it feels like Steele's almost the fourth and fifth guy in that list now.
0: Yeah, and you know what, though? He's actually stepped up enough to where I think he's being noticed beyond this game. I felt like he's had a couple of stronger... Stronger games than what we saw in the beginning of the of his first you know tenure here in Anaheim back in the in the early parts of the season, and then obviously when he went to the goals he wasn't blowing it up like Troy Terry did, but uh, he was playing a solid game. So, but it was nice, like you said, to see him get the hat trick. I think the coolest part about it is that we saw something that and I and I got, I got some flack for this because people disagreed with me, but uh, we got to see something that I don't think we would have seen necessarily under Randy Carlyle. I mean, yeah. I don't think Carlisle's throwing a kid out for a penalty shot. Maybe he does because the kid's got two goals and, and, and they're going to want yeah. him to go. But I don't like it's Randy, late. so I'm just going to bury Ducks, Randy. Yeah. Let me bury the Randy. The Ducks have once. been
1: eliminated. Like, you don't have to worry about getting points there. Like it, I think even Bob, probably if the Ducks needed points in that game to ensure they got to the playoffs, I'm sure there would have been a discussion on whether Steele would have got a chance for the hat trick or not. So, but yeah, Randy. Like I, I would like to think Randy. I just want to there. bury Randy. Let me have my fun, and I'll bury Randy. <laughs> I, I think it would. One thing I want to mention for Steele, because we're talking about prospects a bit. And one thing I want, I want people to remember is you look at all these other prospects and Jones and Terry and Come to that have come up and played for the Ducks and played well this year. They're all wingers. It, it's a lot less responsibility. It's very difficult for a young kid coming out of junior gets thrown into center. He's played center every time he's been in the Ducks lineup. There's a lot of added responsibility onto Sam Steele every time he gets into the lineup. It's not just offense for him. He doesn't just get to think about going forward and, and trying to put pucks in the back of the net or trying to set up plays. You got a whole defensive side of the game that he has to focus on. You know, not many guys can step right into center out of junior a lot of times you get them they get put on the wing for the first bit of their career and then you know they eventually move into center look at ricard raquel they tried putting him at center just didn't work out for him they put him to the wing and it was a whole different situation so i I really got to give sam Steele credit for how well he's adjusted and how well he's played even offensively getting thrust right into center and sometimes he's been this the second line center for this team when guys like getzlaf have been out of the lineup and it's been him and adam henrique as as a one-two so again, you know, I know he's fallen down the list, but a lot of respect and a lot of credit goes to that guy for being able to play center at at the NHL level this year, and not only just play there, but play well.
0: And you know what's funny about Steele in this game is he played nine minutes and change five on five, which was very minimal. That was uh, he was on a line mostly with Keith uh, for Sherwood and Troy Terry. They played eight minutes and forty six seconds of five on five together. And then he saw like a brief half shift with Henrique and Corey Perry with 22 seconds. So that was the lowest uh, amount of ice time for the Ducks forward lines that night. And he still put up a hat trick, which is just incredible. And his line was ultra dominant. Not only yeah. was he scoring, but they were suppressing at the same time. They didn't allow uh, any goals against at all when his line was on the ice against Vancouver. And, you know, it, it, just, it just goes to show you, though, that these kids, there's a lot, of, there's a lot to look forward to. And I guess just flashes of greatness, but I I don't, you shouldn't let people get too far ahead of themselves though, right? And and think that we have replacement centers and replacement wingers for our great players. And that's the one thing that's tough to not get ultra excited about because you see a game like this and you're like, oh, there's our next guy. And it's like, well, I mean, that's that's tough to say. That's really, really tough to say.
1: It's very tough not to get hyped about prospects, and in and, and and I generally try to avoid that. But even I, I've, I've gotten the best of it sometimes. And you know, when Sam Steele put up a hundred thirty point season, you you feel the hype. You're like, oh, no, you, you and got, I both got, did. Got, like, holy hell. Well, yeah. Well, you got other you got legitimate prospect guys putting him in the top three of their players outside the NHL for for prospects affiliated who drafted prospects. You know, he was up on that list of, among guys like Casey Middlestadt who to be fair has not had a good year and guys like Elias Petterson he was up the top of those lists among those guys and you know, the adjustment hasn't been easy as uh, for him as it has been for a guy like Elias Petterson to to be fair was playing in, against men in the Swedish hockey league but it, it's hard to get hyped but then you you do have people and i you know i saw a couple of people on twitter especially after the that were saying you know one one fan in particular i don't want to call this guy out but I, again we're talking about people getting hyped uh, I had saying that Sam Steele took a step forward and and he was better than Elias Petterson because he put up the hat trick that night and Elias Pedersen really didn't do anything. Well Pedersen has like I think 60 points on the season is also younger than Sam Steele and and again I'm not trying to say Sam Steele isn't a good player but you got to like tone the hype a bit. I think Mac you know that was high on Steele before this season it shifted to come to one. the hype around come to one now is like people thinking he's going to step in next year and be like a 30 Or forty goal scorer, like it takes a a special player to score Mm forty. No, not many guys can do it. McKinnon just hit forty tonight. You know, like McKinnon is is one of the best players in the game. You know, McDavid just briefly hit over forty. I think Kucherov is still looking for forty. You know, Stamkos and Point have forty. Ovechkin has fifty. Drysset almost has fifty. Like, not many guys can get to that point. Like, these are some of the best players in the game we're talking about. You know, yes, you know, the hype got increased with the way Kuntwal played when he was here. Uh, but man, like we got to tone it down a bit. It's hard, I know. I, everybody wants these guys to turn out, but to think that you know they can step in and, and our can be an immediate replacement for what Perry used to be, and it's a consistent 30 or 40 goal score, that's a lot of expectation to put on a guy. And The same goes with Steele or Terry or Jones to be able to step in and replace what Getzlaff and Perry have. I think they're going to be great second and third line players for this team, which is, is still very, very good, but the Ducks are going to need somebody to replace Getzlaff, and you would hope they can get it this year if they pick what you would think is as low as around six or seven and maybe they win the lottery and move up into the top three. They have a real chance of actually finally getting that guy where the hype is warranted, where they're mm-hmm. one of the best players in the draft and they can actually get that replacement. Which is still going to be, that's all luck in the
0: draw, come yeah. come draft lottery day next, next Tuesday to see who gets those picks. Um, let's, let's move on here. So the Ducks are able to take out that game uh, which looked pretty easily until until the Canucks caught up a bit, but they end up finishing that one off. I think it was five four was the final score of yep. that game, and then we get to go to the fun game where all kinds of bad stuff happens across the board. This game was hard to watch, very hard to watch, especially after the first period. It, it, this was this was like almost back to Randy days for me. This was pretty much back to that.
1: We get a couple of these games every now and then where where the ducks just look bad, and it's usually against some of the best teams in the league. I mean, you look, you go back and you look when they played Winnipeg and they lost three uh, nothing, and it didn't look good in that game. And the last time before that they got blown out actually was was against a team you wouldn't expect it, but a team that was pushing for the playoffs in Arizona, and they they lost six one against Arizona as well. And and really, you know, they had it's been th- I think three or four four games that they've looked like that this month, and it, it's pretty much one every week. Like it's just once a week they kind of look like they used to under Randy Carlisle. It was Vegas at the beginning of the month, they lost three nothing. It was Arizona in the third week of March on the fourteenth, where they lost six to one. Winnipeg on the twentieth, and then Calgary on the 29th. So, you know, almost once a week they kind of regress a little bit back to what they look like under under Randy Carlisle. And it just so happens that Three, those three games against Calgary, Winnipeg, and Vegas were probably the hardest teams they played this month. Like those are some of the best teams, if not the three best teams in the Western Conference. You could argue, right? So it's going to happen. It, you know, Calgary is a an excellent team, a young team, a fast team, and they they were on a scoring slump and they were looking to get out of it. And this well, year, I mean, any- to,
0: to further what happened, you know, going into this game against Calgary, they're without Josh Manson because Josh Manson gets TKO'd yep. trying to make a hit in the Vancouver game late. Um, and ends up going face to helmet. I think against Tanner Pearson, and,
1: yeah. and Lom- Genzel was up for this game as well. So
0: yeah, so you have you have massive issues here for the Ducks going against the top team in the West. I mean, Calgary is just a beast this year, and they certainly took advantage of a team that um, you know <laughs> wasn't ready to play this type of yeah. hockey. And I think without Josh Manson, that kind of throw things throw things out of order. I don't think Hampus Lindholm's played with Jacob Larson very much. And I want to say that that's who he spent the majority of his time with, uh, with Calgary, yeah. when they played against Calgary. And they, and they got obliterated, just absolutely obliterated on the stat sheet.
1: Well, the Flames are one of the top goal-scoring teams in the league. And, and miraculously enough, they had come into this game, I, I think, over two games worth of play without scoring a goal by their forwards. I mean that that was eventually going to stop. You knew it was going to stop when you have uh, guys like Monahan, Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Goodrow, and Elias Lindholm in your lineup. There was a you know it was about time that that ended, and it ended in a big way against the Flames. They got five goals from their forwards, two from from Sean Monahan like that, and Monahan himself was on a slump of his own. Like that was eventually going to end, and it was all coming to a head at the wrong time for the Ducks, where Manson and Getzlaf were also out. So you got this team who's very good who was struggling to score. And, and it was not going to, There's no way it was going to get to three games, no matter who they were playing. I, I don't care if they were playing Winnipeg. I don't care if they were playing Tampa Bay. The Flames forwards were going to score in this game. It was only a matter of time. And unfortunately, the Ducks caught them at a time where they were looking to break out of a slump, and, and they got battered. And, you know, the it, it's no longer the days where you, the, the Flames, uh, you just beat up on the Flames no matter where you go for the Ducks. You know, it, it, that's, I think, flipped a bit. And the Flames are a very good young team. And the Ducks are going to struggle with them for the next couple of seasons because, you know, the, the Flames are an accelerated part of their rebuild where, you no, know, they're the top team in the Western Conference. I mean, I thought they were going to be good this year. We, we did our season previews at the beginning of this year, and I picked the Flames for the top in the Pacific Division. But there's no way I picked them for top in the Western Conference, yep. as, as good as good as they are. They've even surpassed my expectations, and, and, I, and I thought they were going to be good. I mean, they have... Likely surpassed everybody's expectations to be the you know better than Winnipeg, better than Nashville, better than Vegas, better than San Jose. I mean, everybody picks San Jose to win the conference. I mean, they're better than. Oh, no
0: one thought they would have. No one thought San Jose was going to have AHL goaltending
1: yeah it's it flipped right Robots. nobody thought nobody thought uh calgary would have any bit somewhat decent goaltending which they've had mike mike smith and, and david riddish haven't been world beaters but they've been average which is all you need when you have a team who can score goals like the flames can and you have some of some very good defensemen in Hannafin and giordano and brody back on the blue line and that all you need is average goaltending then you get a team on paper who are you would you you look at it and you say yeah they're definitely better than the flames but then martin jones has been just awful he's been Sub the 900. The I mean, so, you know, he has like thir- top three in wins and he has a sub 900 save percentage. That shows you what type of team the San Jose Sharks are. Imagine if they had a goaltender with a 910 save percentage. Imagine how many more games they'd win. They'd probably be top in the Western Imagine conference. if they had
0: John Gibson in that, right? at 921 save percentage yeah. career wise. Or just an average
1: like what i wonder what the average save percentage this year is like 9 sure, 10 i think it's 9, yeah i would assume it's 10. around 9 10 or 9 12 like you put that in there you probably win seven or eight more games if you're if you're the same crazy
0: because you're literally talking about two percent talking yeah. two percentage points change everything
1: and yeah, you're talking about a couple goals here a couple goals there where the sharks end up you know getting in a shootout with some teams and you you end up winning those games instead of losing them if you get some solid performances from Martin Jones. I, I you know he has not really had that many quality starts this year at all for the Sharks. So you know they're still a dangerous team because I, I, as bad as he's been, you know he can get on a roll. He's been very streaky in his career. He's been just somehow this season bad the entire year. But you know if he it, it, goalies if he gets on a hot streak in the playoffs, the Sharks are going to be a legitimate threat. You know unfortunately for them they didn't get top in the pacific so they don't get home ice advantage all the way throughout uh and i don't even think that they might not even get home ice against vegas depending on how that goes but you know they're still a very good team and martin jones is is just a streak away from them doing really well
0: i don't have faith in martin jones i've argued that with jason plenty of times (laughs) i don't have faith in martin jones i don't think he's a top 10 goaltender in the nhl period Oh no! Um, by by a long shot, no. And and I know from what I heard from Elliot Elliot Friedman on, on his podcast Thirty One Thoughts, he had said that the patience is running very thin for goaltending there. Like they are not happy with how that's how that's panned out. But how are you going to get Eric Carlson for a whole season and not upgrade your goaltending when it's been bad all year? It's insane yeah. they didn't do that. Yeah, and the, so I know the it's a def- Sharks
1: podcast, but.
0: It's insane, no, but
1: at the deadline, I don't you know. We've always gotten the ducks on how you don't add players at the deadline. If you're the Sharks, it was bad up until that point still. And it's not like Aaron Dell was playing any much better. You had two goalies playing bad. How do you not go to, to, you know, Miller was rumored at one point. I don't know if it was legitimate or not, but there was a rumor that Miller was the Sharks were looking at Miller. How do you not go to Detroit in the season Jimmy Howard's having and be like, hey, we'll give you, like, a first. I don't know if they even have their first, but we'll give you something for Jimmy Howard. Mm -hmm. Howard still still likely would have re-signed a contract with Detroit at the end of the season but you know imagine San Jose with Jimmy Howard we're talking about average goaling he's been above average this year like they would be a very dangerous team with the the way Jimmy Howard's been playing behind that defense it's ridiculous how they didn't go and do that but like you said they bring in Eric Carlson and, and really stayed there making a run they brought in Gustav Nyquist which was you know I guess they needed a winger but how do you not go get a goaltender that was the biggest need for them so strange,
0: man. Very, very strange. So the Ducks lose that game six to one in a very unhealthy fashion. It doesn't help that they lose their basically one of their top young players coming up to the NHL and Troy Terry. Um, Mark Giordano has a habit of hurting the Ducks. I mean he's hurt yep. Cam Fowler, I think on more than one occasion. Um, to be fair, this was by accident. This wasn't like I a mean was it was it really an accident? takes a slap shot hits Troy Terry in the leg breaks his leg which we didn't find out until yesterday but breaks yeah. his leg uh, Terry's crawling to the bench i knew right away that it was either an yeah. ankle injury or a bro- i thought it was a broken bone in his foot broke his i think it's broke his, uh, his
1: tibia in his in his yeah. leg ah uh, it's yeah, just like a compound fracture so pretty much a break yeah oh it was, uh, yeah, just that, that's brutal, brutal and it's it you know it doesn't hurt the ducks but it really hurts the goals because uh if you if you ask them you know if they were candid enough to say who's the one guy you don't want to lose if you're the goals i'm sure most of them would say troy terry because he's he's been their best player and when he was down there for most of the year he was easily their best player. He's one of the best players in the ahl when he was down there because he was too good for for the ahl but he was eligible to go back down and, and play with the goals in the playoffs. And now it's rumored that he's going to be out you know, about three months. And the only way he comes back for them, and he won't be 100% after coming back from a broken leg, but the only way he comes back is if they make a late playoff push and they're going to have to do that without him. So that's really disappointing for them because you know we're all hoping that they make a long run with the Ducks not in the playoffs and they're going to be missing out on Troy Terry for the basically the entirety of the playoffs. Which is brutal. I think they, they have five games left in the season. Yeah.
0: And they, I mean, I had to go back and look at, at uh, where they're at in the standings or what they still. have to they're, they're
1: do. Race, yeah. They, they've been struggling because the, the Ducks have had all their players, which was, you know, it's another interesting move and it was almost at a necessity, you know, having to bring up Sam Carrick. You know, we'll move into the last game here, having to bring up Sam Carrick and, and Chase DeLeo for the game against Edmonton because the Ducks had so many injuries. You know, you had Richie, you had Terry now out, you had Getzlaff still out, Banson was out. You know, you had a, a Sprong they just scratched, but you have like a lot of these guys out of the lineup. You had to bring up players from the goals to actually just play a game and uh, it really hurt the goals. I think they i don't know how many games they've lost in a row, but every time I check, they're, they're losing close games because they really don't have anybody right now. You know, they've got a few guys down there, but that's it. I mean,
0: but like it's tough for the Ducks too because they have so many injuries. You have to call guys up.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they it's, have to do.
0: What are they gonna do? It, It's—they're taking emergency call-ups at this point. It's just been a tough end of the season, tough whole year for Anaheim. What am I talking about? It's been a brutal year. <laughs> But they're one point ahead of the Tucson Roadrunners, and they're tied with the Colorado Eagles for third in the division. Uh, I they think have, they have one... like,
1: nine, nine games remaining or something because there's a lot. They only the played sixty.
0: The Gulls only have five. They only play 68 games in the Pacific Division.
1: How does that fare?
0: I don't know, but that's the way it works. the The Pacific Division in the AHL only plays 68 games. That's it.
1: So is, is it this is it just a top three from each division makes the playoffs? I think so or, did, or, or do they because it looks like they don't do a wild card so I think it is just top three because if it was conference they'd be screwed because right now they're in 10th and if they only play 68 games, you got all these other teams above them who playing 71 it looks like <laughs> 71 or 72 games so you know they're they're still close to them I think they'll still make it um you know they have to they, they got Sherwood and, and uh, DeLeo back. And, uh, you know, like you said, they're up on Colorado. They're up on Tucson. So they've got to, you know, stay in front of those guys. I think that's that's the big thing. So getting those two back down there will be big. And, and then after, you know, a couple games from now, they'll get Jones. Uh, Ghoulish is, is potentially going to be back for the Ducks on Friday against L.A. Uh, and then after that, he'll be back for the Gulls as well. So they'll, just they'll have some send
0: guys. them all. I, I, can can, can, we, can can't. we just? I know, but can we just find a way? Can we like emergency yeah. dress people in the stands so they can go play hockey and lose these next two games for the Ducks? And like, we're gonna send all of our boys down to San Diego them yeah. to get into the playoffs, so I can go watch some playoff games. Well, you know, so, this is boost. about me,
1: okay? This is if, a, if they uh, make it. If they make it, it's a huge <laughs> it's a huge boost because you get uh, you get Walensky, Larson, and Gouley. I think that's it for the blue line. I don't think they get anybody else. Uh, or Magna's already. Magna Magnus. Magnus will get be Magna down. As well. yeah. So you get all, you get four guys. You get arguably you just get a new top four on your blue line, right? Like you get some some really good players, AHL quality wise, to get down there and play. And then not only that, you get a guy like Max Jones. You already got Sherwood and DeLeo down there. Uh, you're not going to get Troy Terry, unfortunately. Uh, but I think uh, I think on Ford, that's it. After Max Jones, now uh, Sam Steele, Sam Steele as well. So you get Sam Steele and Max Jones. Like that's still that's still a pretty big boost down there to get guys who are almost point per game players so they're they're getting they're getting some additions they're getting like six or seven guys added to their lineup which is going to be a huge boost for them so you know the, you look at where they are right now as long as they get in they have a shot to upset whoever they play and i don't know how their standings go but they might be playing the the san jose barracuda in the first round so then you know that would be a, a huge boost for them And the sharks are making a playoff run so whoever the sharks would have that is eligible to go down you would think they'd stay up with the sharks We'll have to see what
0: happens with that.
1: I'm going to be watching it
0: very closely after this weekend, or during this weekend, to see where the goals end up, because I'm pulling for them, man. I really hope they make the playoffs. I'd love to get down there and watch a game. Let's get to the final game of the week that we need to talk about here, which is the Edmonton Oilers game. This was the the game that uh, I was really looking forward to watching, mainly because I knew Leon Dreisaitl wasn't going to hit 50 goals this season, and so it was nice to see him not score a goal that game.
1: Oh uh, Yeah, of course. He's hitting fifty. I'm telling you, he's hitting fifty. It's happening. I need happen because we made a bet on it, so it has to happen. What, we don't even you know what we bet. We have to go back and listen to it. <laughs> I don't remember what we, we were. This is the Pucks and Bruce show, so I don't really remember what we, <laughs> what we were betting on on that day. But uh, I don't even care what it is. Like just pride wise, I just want him to hit fifty. Like that's, I don't care. I don't even care if we don't do anything for it. I. I just I just want to be right that he's gonna hit fifty because when, it was a bigger bet. Like if you if you listen to this now, it was a bigger bet when we made the bet because it was before Drysell scored a hat trick and I think uh, right now he has forty seven. So he had forty three at the time, and uh, it was a bigger bet. And then obviously right after that he got a hat trick and they got a goal the next game, and now he's gone two goals without uh, or two games without scoring a goal. And uh, I'm not sure how many. Now, now I want to update this. I want to see how many games. Uh, Lucic scored tonight and Nurse scored
0: tonight against the Avs. It's
1: not over. Uh, they have one yeah, period how many left. Games, how many games do they have left? They, they, have, two this, they have two games after
0: this. They have the Flames and the Sharks. So those are two tough gotta ones.
1: Score, he's got to score three goals. And Connor McDavid is is fed up with life right now. So
0: <laughs> I hope you don't win your bet. Let's get to this game though, because this was a fun one, man. We had another hat trick in this game.
1: Yeah, yeah, from a guy that uh, really desperately needed it and has been turning it on lately. What's it? Was seven goals in his last five games? I think. Ricardel
0: is just absolutely killing. He's had eighteen goals, twenty three assists for forty one points uh, in sixty seven games. And if you go back and look at what he's done, he's got. He's literally got seven goals in his last five games. He had a hat-trick against Edmonton, nothing against Calgary, a goal in Vancouver, a goal against the Kings, and two against San Jose. So he's absolutely
1: killing it. Ricardo Raquel is on fire. Uh, Where the hell was this guy all year, Eddie? I don't know. Throwing an assist in there, he's got eight points in his last five games. But yeah, I I don't know where he's been, but he looks like the same player again. I mean, you look at, I think, probably four of these seven goals – he ripped a wrist shot, top corner, short side, from the circle. I, like, I think four of them, three or four of them, were exactly the same type of goal. And he's just picking his spots now. And he's getting, you know, the, the thing about Ricard Raquel is he's playing with Getzla for so long. He just needed to get in a good position. He got the puck, you know, the puck found him, and he was in the good positions. That's why he was putting the puck in the back of the net. He found himself in front of the net. He found himself with, with, with in opportunities where he had an open net, or he used the shot that he has to beat... Uh, goalie's top shelf and he just looks like that guy again I don't know where he's been, I don't know how that's changed he's not playing with Ryan Getzlaff, he's been playing the majority of the time with Jakob Silverberg and they've put together a, quite a partnership over those last five games specifically Ryan he hasn't been playing well. lately so there was, no, yeah. there was no Getzlaff for him to play with I think it's Silverberg who's been the guy who's been setting him up pretty much every time he gets a goal. And and they've just worked really, really, really well together. But it's nice to see Ricard Raquel get back into it because we've been critical of him this season for good reason. And, you know, it's been a really tough year, but it'd be a nice cap on a difficult season for him to hit 20. And it'd be really disappointing if he finishes at 19 or even at 18 right now with the the run that he's on. He's got two games left to get two goals. So yeah, against two
0: teams that have been dominant of Anaheim. I mean, the Kings just for whatever reason. I know. I know Rack scored against them during our watch party with that ridiculous hand eye coordination he had against against the Kings. But my That's god goal of
1: the year. That's got to be like nobody. Nobody even talked about that goal. It's goal like, of the year that for the was, Ducks. I mean, it might be there's well, other goals. I mean, yeah, but it, it like. It was it's close like it's really difficult to do. Is that, that. goal here, was... or would you take would you well, take okay. Max Jones's
0: goal? It's pretty sick for his his goal against Carey Price. No, but that's better than.
1: That's better than, uh, than Max That's Jones. Max awesome. Jones' goal was good, but the, that one is better. That's the, probably the Ducks' best goal of the year by Ricard Raquel. I mean, then, you know, like four days later, McDavid scores between his legs. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, maybe not goal yeah, of the little, year. Yeah, a little, little roof
0: job between the legs against Dallas, of course.
1: Underrated how, how difficult it was for Ricard Raquel to score that goal, where he chips it up, a rolling puck up off his back end and then quickly uh, f- hits it out of midair into the top corner. Like, that is extremely difficult. Nobody talked about it. Because no. it was two teams near the bottom of the standings playing and both in California.
0: Of course. It's just the way it goes. It's just the way it's going to be. Back.
1: He's back, right? Like he's back. He has to be. Like he's back for now with two games to go. Like he looks like the same guy we saw last year and well, the year before. T- tomorrow's fan appreciation night, so I would very much appreciate if the Ducks beat up Calgary
0: somehow. Um and if they uh if they score a few goals in that game, unlike the game where they got blown out six to one last week against Calgary. So let's hope That there's a better turn of events for Ricard, Raquel. Question, is Sam Bennett even going to be playing tomorrow after that hit by McDermott? Did you see McDermott blow up Sam Bennett? Oh, that was hard to watch. The hit wasn't that brutal. I mean, he caught him. I don't know if you know McDermott. McDermott's like 6'5", like 250 pounds. He's a big dude.
1: And he's says he's fine so
0: are you insane there's no way that guy's not concussed if you want he couldn't even get up he tried to stand up like four times and couldn't get up
1: Sam Bennett dodged a bullet and scary open ice hit
0: oh please there's there oh wow the trainers are saying he's fine there's no way he's fine there's I, I no gotta, way now Eddie has to see it, it. Eddie's gotta I see
1: it like what how I'm to how, one, how bad send was it, was it, it to you
0: Oh my god, dude! Do you do you not remember the time? Um, oh my god, was it Capitan? Sammy Capitan played for the Hurricanes. It got blown up, and he like couldn't get up off the ice. I think that was a Sammy Capitan play. Can okay, you? No, it is. Oh, look at that hit! Watch him try to get up.
1: Jeez! Oh, jeez! Yeah, yeah. He had the cool. hardest.
0: So look, I know this is terrible podcasting for the you guys at home. Uh, listening to this, but he went. He goes to get up. His legs don't function. He's like yeah, swimming he's on the likes. ice trying to get up after this. Go go look up. the. Hey, you can type in Sam Bennett, or you can type in hashtag McDermott. Uh, he normally plays for the Ontario Rain. He's a gigantic dude. He throws knuckles. He's, a, he's just a, a monster. And he's probably going to be playing in the game tomorrow. And this is the same guy that KO'd Andre Kasha in preseason and took him out for the start of the year. This is McDowell. Well, he'll be
1: playing on Friday, you mean.
0: Or on Friday, yeah. He'll be playing on Friday. So, yeah, this is the guy that's taken out Andre Kasha. He's not a a small man. He is a
1: giant. It didn't really look like a dirty hit. It's no, just... Bennett's head hit his shoulder pad. That's what it was. Yeah, which <laughs> I just watched that uh, Ice Guardians documentary, and uh, they talk about how, like, shoulder pads are supposed to protect players now, uh, but they're more they're they're basically now weapons. Like, they're almost weapons for, for guys. Like, you look at... Um, Clean hits now that are that are hurting guys because of how hard these shoulder pads are, and you know it's it's insane because that you know this doesn't happen if he has smaller shoulder pads or shoulder pads that are mainly just made to protect players, and rather than basically having a brick taped to your shoulder, Mm -hmm. that if you end up hitting a guy in a clean hit to your shoulder and the guy's head snaps and hits your shoulder, he's getting up like Sam Bennett got up, you know, getting up arguably having a concussion, getting up uh, barely getting up on the ice having jello legs, like. It's, it's something I think they have to look at because like there's no way a guy's shoulder pad should be that hard that if you run into it, like you're getting up the way Sam Bennett got up.
0: Yeah, and I 100% agree with you on that. So that's going to be an interesting game on Friday for the Ducks. That's the last game of the year. And I don't know why the Ducks have done this. Maybe if somebody listening wants to DM us, but I'm very curious as to why Fan Appreciation Night, as I used to remember it growing up, was always the last game of the year. The last home game of the year.
1: The Ducks Maybe have Maybe because Hey, LA.
0: Left. Yeah, but why not have that be Fan Appreciation Night?
1: I don't know because it's free. Also, freeway face off. So I, yeah, but they did it last year too. I don't know. Yeah, what the but deal they, is. They, they did they did they haven't done have they done fan appreciation on the same day as the Kings?
0: Uh, I don't think go back and look.
1: But I I think it was past, Dallas. I, think, last I want to year, say
0: the past few years they've done fan appreciation night the day before or the game before the last game. I'd love to know why. I'm just curious. Just something that's gonna bug me until I find out. Uh, not really a huge deal, but I'm just curious if anybody knows that. Um, so. That game went really good for Ricard Raquel. He got the natural hat-trick, not just the hat-trick. Uh, it also favored him that the goaltending was pretty much garbage in, yeah. in Edmonton that night. So that's that fun. night, <laughs>
1: <you> mean, <laughs> since Miko Koskinen signed that extension, he's been. Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah. It's really funny because we we you know Silverberg was a guy people were like oh he's gonna get complacent when he signs his contract oh, and he please. got better. And then Miko Koskinen signs his contract and he gets like, he was one of the best goalies in the league until he signed that contract. Yeah, I thought like somebody on Twitter
0: got, who's no longer on Twitter made that comment about uh, Jacob Silverberg. So yeah, uh, silverberg has been. Incredible since he signed that deal, and Bob Murray loves him and has, has talked about him. Uh, oh, uh, this is an opportunity for me to bring up uh, Bobby's pancake bonanza again, uh, at least one more time this season, because he did mention that he uh, likes civil in a leadership role. So that's another. Anytime I get a chance to talk about Bobby's pancakes, um, his breakfast that he provided, I'll get the. i make sure I do that. But uh, yeah. but yeah, uh, who had a really good game that night? Oh yeah, it was Ricardo McKell. You know who didn't? Um, Connor McDavid and Leon Drysdale
1: so yeah good on yeah. anaheim there yeah. to shut those guys down 200 point they men. still weren't mathematically eliminated oh what was the i shared it now i can't remember they were we we had asked this on i think it was our bonus show um for, for forever mighty we we talked about when was the last time play two players or a team had 200 point guys and missed the playoffs so the last time that that happened was a 1989-90 Pittsburgh Penguins where Mario Lemieux and Paul Coffey had both had 100 points. Paul Coffey, defenseman, had 100 points, <laughs> over 100 points that year, and they missed the playoffs. So it's been almost two decades, or it's been, what, two decades then since uh, the last time that that happened. I think next year would be two decades. So it's been about 19 years since two, a team had 200-point scores and missed the playoffs. The last time a team had 200-point getters was 08-09, with uh, Ovechkin and Backstrom mm-hmm. and funny funny enough the the way these guys that do they are remind me a bit of an Ovechkin and, and Backstrom type do obviously McDavid's better than than uh, Backstrom and, and Ovi's better than Dreisaitl but you, you got the goal score in one and I mean I know McDavid has 40 goals but you got like the setup guy and the goal score so it kind of reminds me a bit I mean, yeah, oh, it's, it's
0: it's mostly because uh, McDavid's doing it all, and Drysaddle's along for the ride like Chris Coonan. So let's not let's not say Drysaddle.
1: Uh, it's basically it? just them. Like the the depth in Edmonton, <laughs> the depth in Edmonton is is horrible. I was just broadcast. trying to rally
0: you up because I know you like to defend Drysaddle. I'm, sidle. Just, I'm I mean, ignoring he it. He needs I'm to, anchor, to anchor. his it's, own it's line.
1: <laughs> in, in 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 one ear out the other. But uh, no, Edmonton Edmonton is just it's it's Drysaddle McDavid then Nugent Hopkins and that's it like their next best guys like Alex Chason or Zach Cassian. like that is how you you have 200 point scores and miss the playoffs when you have no depth like the, no depth and then on defense on defense they're actually average like and Nurse is a pretty good defense but Oscar Clefbaum is pretty good you know all the all the hype go, or all the talk was around Adam Larson for Taylor Hall but Adam Larson's not a horrible defense no player. he's just not he's, Taylor he's Hall. not he's just not Taylor Hall uh, and their goaltending has been bad but it's not it's not been like San Jose bad it's just they have no depth they're forward there's no depth up there like you can't win games if Zach Cassian or Alex Chason is your your fourth best forward like Mm. if they didn't have McDavid this team would be bottom they'd be worse than Ottawa because even at least Ottawa has some like decent depth players oh yeah Ottawa ice is a better probably better bottom six a better top or a better bottom nine than the Oilers do, but the Oilers just have McDavid out playing with Drysaddle, and it's just ten times better.
0: Did you see Ottawa's looking for a president of hockey operations, basically to babysit Eugene Melnick? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that That's guy's a fire. Let, let's, let's get on with this, this show here for the Ducks, though, before we go off on NHL tangent. It's just so hard, everybody. Our boys are not going to be in the playoffs. We're talking about other teams right now, but uh, the fact of the matter is we're in this playoff race for the goals. That's where we want things to go. Before we hop there, I got to question you on this: Is Ricardo Raquel hitting twenty goals for sure, or not? Are you giving him the go on this? Two goals in the last two games against teams that have been very good against Anaheim.
1: Um, I I think so. He's playing with a lot of confidence right now. I think he can. I think he can do it, but I think he's got to get two in one game. I don't think he's going to get one against Calgary. One against. uh, one against LA. I think he's gonna have to either get two tomorrow or two on Friday. That's that's the only way I think he gets I think he has a multi goal game and, and just hits twenty. Barely,
0: right? It's gonna be right on twenty. We'll yeah, I think it's he, gonna be right on twenty. See if he does that. I don't think he will just because Calgary's been so good. But then again they might be you know, might be icing an AHL team at that point to save their guys. For the playoffs now that they've completely made it uh you know and, and clinched the west i don't think there's any reason to play all your top guys against anaheim yeah you know, i don't i wouldn't yeah. if i'm calgary i'm not worried about playing my top guys so we'll see what happens there is a chance yeah
1: but I if i'm calgary uh i don't know if that's their last game of the season or not probably their second last game i'm i'm sitting monahan goodrow and and lintol i'm sitting all three of them because what's the point like if one of those guys gets hurt in those last two games that's, that's ridiculous. You're screwed. You know, you can't sit everybody. You probably can't sit Monahan, Goodrow, Lindholm, Kachuk, and Giordano. Like, that's just not going to happen. But I would definitely argue that you should sit either all three, you know, or at least just Monahan, Goodrow, and Giordano because Giordano a little bit older. Just sit those three, play Lindholm and Kachuk or whatever, and, and hope everything goes all right. But you got to sit at least three of those five guys because there's oh, no point. Yeah, they've got uh, – so they beat the hell out of the Kings – Seven to two, seven two, yeah.
0: And then they're playing the Ducks tomorrow, and then they're going to be playing the Oilers on
1: for, on Saturday. So... God, if you don't if you don't sit them against the Ducks, you sit them ag- you sit them in the Battle of Alberta. Is you know you, you screw pride, screw like losing if even if you lose to the Oilers on the last day of the season. You don't bring those guys in a game that has Darnell Nurse and Zach Cassian and Milan Lucic in a game that gets heated no matter where these guys are in the standings. You don't don't bring those guys into this game if you don't have to. You know, Matthew Kachuk, you can put him in a game like that because, you know, he's going to play on the edge no matter what and uh, he's likely not going to get hurt. But I wouldn't put Goodrell. I wouldn't put Monaghan. I wouldn't put Giordano in, in that type of situation and risk them getting hurt in a big game like that.
0: No, not at all. So that is the end of the gaming, of the gaming, the games part of this. The Ducks have Calgary and L.A. coming up. Um, those are the final two games of the season like we've been talking about here the past few minutes. If It depends on what team gets ice tomorrow for Calgary. If it's more their AHL team and if the Ducks have a puncher's chance... Um, if not, then we're going to see probably a similar result we saw in Calgary. Uh, maybe a little less because the Ducks do have pride. These guys don't want to lose on any given night. It's not like they're out there to lose. And then against LA, I would like to think the Ducks beat LA in the last game of the year because, damn it, they've been not been able to generate any freaking offense whatsoever. That The game where they lost 4-3 to was one of the most boring games we watched. And, of course, it was at our watch party. <laughs> like the Ducks just couldn't generate yeah. any offense. It was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. So, I think they have a chance to beat Calgary, depending on the ice, and I think they should beat the Kings. So I'm going to be uh, chicken on this and, and not pick definite for Calgary, but I'm going to say they go 1-1 one one or 2-1-0. Or, uh, oh. I think they beat L.A. for sure.
1: Yeah, I think they pick up one. Um, Calgary will be tough. You know, you're at you're at Honda Center, so it's a little bit easier than playing in the Saddle Dome, but I think beating Calgary, even if they do sit two or three of their guys, is still going to be a tough game. Um, you know, It's not out of the question. Um, but I I think he could pick up a win against LA. is as, as tough you know as tough as LA's played the Ducks this year. I, I think that's obviously and you look at it. LA's what second worst team in the entire league. So yeah, you're you're likely to pick up points against a team like that. Yet our boys can't been, find a way to generate offense somehow. Well, they haven't been. They, you know, the Ducks are the last in the league in, in shots generated. So that that kind of <laughs> goes into why why they can't uh, put up any offense even against the worst teams but uh, yeah I, I think they go one and one i think they pick up a win i think they make the calgary game close but i think they lose ultimately and they pick up a win against uh, against the kinks i think it's a close game that maybe goes to overtime or a shootout
0: let's hope it is close i think the last thing we need to speak about before we wrap the show man is patrick east getting nominated for the bill masterton memorial trophy there's probably nobody more deserving than this guy i really wish he had better health luck i mean seriously Just for the sake of his personal life, not really his hockey career. I mean, that's always secondary. But the poor guy signs the extension in Anaheim for three years. Barely has played anything. He's barely
1: done anything. Yeah, it's been unfortunate for him, and you know, question marks if his career is going to be over or not. We, you know, he he was went down to San Diego. Was supposed to have a conditioning stint there. Everything thought, you know, thought it was looking going to look good. That he was going to come back, and then all of a sudden, just stop playing games for San Diego because the weakness had come back. You know, worry that the illness was back for him, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It, it's a tough spot for him to be in. You know, it's nice to see him get nominated for the award. It's unfortunate circumstance to have to get nominated for the award, but he, he's been a warrior. and He's really battled through it. I hope we at least get to see him play a couple more games. It would suck to for his career to have to end this way. It's not, you know, it's not a way you draw it up when you're a player to have your career end to a, to an injury like this that you really can't even control. No, it's not like he's out of shape. He just got yeah. something terrible. He's
0: got just a horrible roll of dice. So all the best to Patrick Ease. I hope they they find a way to figure out what's wrong with him and he comes back and he's better. But, for, I mean, first and foremost, we don't need to tell him and he's, he doesn't need to worry about what we have to say. But I know he's thinking about his family first. So I really hope things get better for Patrick.
1: No, for sure. Uh, last thing we got to bring up quickly because it, it's relevant and I think by the time we do – the next show, because the next show is scheduled to come out on the day of the draft lottery. Uh, we'll either do one before, or we'll wait until that's after. You got to wait till after. We'll wait till after. Yeah. We'll
0: wrap the final part of the season up and then do it after so we can talk about the lottery pick.
1: Yeah, so we'll talk about the, the draft lottery now. And then likely uh, after it's settled, it'll be like a Wednesday or Thursday release for the show. Uh, that will also just be a season in review type show. And then... And then hopefully we'll be doing uh, shows every month from there, just kind of updating how everything's going uh, until we get into next season. But looking at the draft lottery right now, uh, as of the standings tonight, uh, i got to check if – I don't know how updated this is because I don't know uh, how Detroit – I think Detroit won against Pittsburgh tonight. I'll have to check because Detroit and the Rangers had a a chance. So Detroit won, and I don't think the Rangers played – and uh, Buffalo unfortunately lost. So Detroit's won six in a row. They are sitting at seventy-four points in the fifth last spot right now, two games remaining. The Ducks have eight are in seventh with eighty games played to seventy six points. So Detroit has a chance. No, they, they could pass. The way they're playing right now, they're one of the hottest teams in the league, surprisingly. <laughs> eight two and eight two and in their last ten. Like I said, they've lost or they've won six in a row. Uh I think they actually yeah, they are. They are the hottest team over the last ten games. For a team that's sitting in, in the spot they are is, is interesting. So there's a, a chance that they could pass Anaheim, and Anaheim could uh, climb up the reverse standings and, and get a higher uh, pick and better percentage. Uh, and the Rangers, who have not been doing too good lately, uh, they lost their last game. They're sitting with 75 points with uh, 79 games played, so they've got a game in hand. So if they win their next game. They move down below the Ducks, no matter what the Ducks do, even if they win, you know, if they win tomorrow, the, the, the Rangers still have a game in hand. So the Ducks are either going to finish somewhere between 5. There, there's no chance of them catching the, the Sabres anymore. So if one, two, three, four, are pretty much set uh, on who they're going to be. It's going to be Ottawa, who goes to Colorado, then L.A. at number 2, and then either New Jersey or Buffalo at 3, 4. The Ducks have a, a chance to either be 5th or 6th. But they could also fall down to uh, eight or nine, potentially, because the Oilers, losing tonight likely, will have 77 points on 80 games played, which is only one ahead of the Ducks. And Vancouver has 78 points in 79 games played. So there's a range the Ducks can move in between. It's about two positions up or two positions below the seventh pick right now. And and that's some significant percentage points when you look at it in the long run. If you move up two, you go from 6.5% to 8.5%. If you move down two, you go from 6.5% to 5% chance of getting the number one overall pick. And then your numbers for a top three pick range from 26% at the high end to 16% at the low end. So there's some significant percentage differences. And when you're in a position of the Ducks so right, right now, that's what you're fighting for, right? Like you're fighting for some like – not the players, but – your fan, you're kind of hoping for better percentage points. Like you got to have something to cheer for, and yeah, I mean, but
0: to... but the chance of them even getting it is so far fetched at this point. It's so tough. And is I just and, and I, yeah, I mean, for me, I just did the I sim think lottery over the last
1: three years. Over the last three years, and I know it's it's all random, but I think uh, that somebody from the eighth, seventh, or sixth round uh, position has moved up into the top three over the last three seasons. So it, it happens, and it's happening, happening in regularity. So six and a half percent is still six and a half percent. You still have a shot. It's happened, and it's happened a lot recently. That you know, two percent makes a difference. You have better odds at getting a top pick. So if you're the Ducks, you know, I'd rather finish five than seven because even if you don't win the lottery, if you just stay pat, five is better than seven. You you know, yeah, you, know, of you course. get a better player. So you know, there are, I think, from three to to about twelve, there's not a huge difference in in the level of prospect or the, where they're projected to go, but it's always nice to
0: finish higher. Yeah, I mean, I just clicked on uh, Tankathon it did Sim Lottery, literally clicked it 20 times, and the Ducks got first pick once, and they got inside top three that only time. Yeah, but hey, so, you know, that so, only time
1: could be the one time that the NHL... All the ping pong balls would be ever
0: in the Ducks' favor. And the crappy thing is, is the Ducks didn't finish low enough to where Bob
1: Murray would be, would be present to accept it. So that's kind of a bummer that Bobby won't be there. Well, it, they, they can still finish five. So I couldn't remember if it was top three or top five where the, the GMs show up at TSN. So if they finish fifth, which is still a possibility, if the Detroit keeps winning and the Rangers win their next couple of games, then, and the Ducks at least lose one, then they will finish in the fifth the fifth spot in the reverse standings. And then possibly he might be there. I don't know if it's the top three. I can't remember if it's the top five, but if it's the top five, he'll be there. So I'm, I'm hoping, and I always wanted, when I knew the Ducks were going to miss the playoffs, that they could get a top five pick. So I'm hoping they finish in five. And then, you know, at least if you're only revealing
0: the first three picks. So I imagine it's only the first, it's only the
1: three GMs. Okay. So it's, a, it's so he's not going to be there. So it's likely going to be, uh, <laughs> are they going to put Pierre Dorian in there? That's what I, that's what I want to know. Is he going <laughs> to be there or is Joe Sackett going to be there? I would have to assume Joe Sackett's going to be there.
0: I like, think Eugene no
1: Melnick's going to show up. He'll be there. Yeah, he's gonna just be an old man shouting at clouds. Like but seriously, like <laughs> there's no way they make Pierre Dorian show up for that. Like it's Joe Sakik's pick. He has to show up for that, right? Yeah. Like,
0: it's it's not Pierre Dorian's pick.
1: That would be unbelievably embarrassing if he showed up for that and they had to interview him. And then uh Rob Blake will be there. And uh who's the GM of the the Devils now? Is it Ray Yeah, Ray Shiro. Lou No. Yeah, no, he's, no, he's Islanders.
0: Team. He's Islanders. Duh. <laughs> yeah,
1: Ray Shiro, my bad. You're right, Ray Shiro. So, yeah, Ray Shiro, Rob Blake, and Joe sakic Two former players will be uh, – I don't know if Ray Shiro played, but uh, he's not the same level as uh, Joe Sackett and Rob Blake, so they'll be there. And uh, Joe Sackett's just going to have a big old smile on his face because the Avalanche are likely going to be in the playoffs, and he will also have a shot, the best shot, at the first overall pick, which is just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it's kind of the way it goes. This, that's today's NHL. <laughs> that's,
1: that's not kind of the way it goes. It's kind of the way it goes if you're the Ottawa Senators and you do stuff <laughs> like that.
0: Make the worst decisions possible in hockey, the Ottawa Senators. That's that's yeah. definitely their slogan. All right, well, that's the show for us this week. Thank you guys for tuning in, and thank you guys for the support. Uh, if you want to catch more Pucks of a Feather, go to pucksofafeather.com. There's all kinds of articles that get put up. Uh, we also want to make sure that uh, you guys know that we're also doing Forever Mighty. You can always go over and check out our show for more content between these weekly shows. We have two more post-game shows to give you guys there. But, uh, yeah, we, we appreciate the listen, and we'll talk to you guys next week.